I'm just realizing we didn't talk about the show notes at all in the pre-show. That's fine. We'll do it. We'll do it live. <laughs> it's okay. I saw them. They're good. I don't know if there's much else we could talk about. I mean, we may want to bring up the Sam Altman open AI like yeah, resolution. Yeah, I thought about throwing that I in. I kind of figured. It's been, it's been two weeks now. I think we're over it, which is the weirdest news cycle of all time that like it was the only thing anybody was talking about and now nobody yeah. has even mentioned it in two weeks well like what am i supposed to i i just want to know why he was fired and like the verge ran an, an, an interview with him today and the first question is why were you fired and he's like yeah we're investigating that and i'm like you don't know like what are we either you're lying or like let me know when when uh, there's an answer because i don't know what else to do about that anyway yeah that's my altman take agreed okay hello and welcome to the android police podcast my name is daniel bader this week on the show we got some ripoffs some leaks some official reveals and a reddit rebrand that uh i I really don't know about spotify wrapped is here to just completely make fun of apple music and youtube music just the drama around how much more cultural cachet Spotify Wrapped has is is all that powered me through my my Wednesday yesterday. Uh, and then Elon Musk went on stage at the DealBook conference no, and made a no, complete no. fool of himself. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it, but I did want to mention it. It was it was a moment. Um, hey, uh, everyone listening, I want you to know that I wrote in the show notes that this week's mantra was that we don't need to talk about Elon. That yet- was all I was going to say about it. <laughs> I had to bring it up because I it, think it's still too much. It's too much. We were talking just before this about how the last time we recorded, so last week's show, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope it was great. Yeah. Uh, we didn't record a show last week. Jules had saved a portion of the previous week's show and cut it for last week's show, which was awesome. But when we last recorded live, Sam Altman's world was blowing up. It blew up continually over the weekend and then resolved a few days after that. We were like, should we talk about it? That news cycle was everything and everywhere. And then it disappeared uh, as people moved on to more important things. And I think the same will be said of that unfortunate dealbook interview. But anyway, that's all I'm going to say about the Elon Musk interview. I think what it does, though, Will, Ara, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm tired. Ara's tired. You're good. You're tired. It seems like nothing changes, uh, except the fact that like we, we tether ourselves to the new cycles created by men with hubris. Like it just that seems to be the way that our conversations go. We should probably do that less. Uh, yeah. And yet we're going to talk about Reddit a little bit later. So, Will, do you think we have the intellectual acuity to uh, have those discussions? Like not tethered to men like Elon? In general. No, <laughs> no, oh, no. Will, it... I was that was uh, that was the joke. Oh, I mean, yeah, yes. Okay, yes? we're not gonna put that in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's let's dive in. Jules, just cut that. Will failed no, me utterly. Jules, and... Jules, du- double it. <laughs> put it in twice. <laughs> oh God. Will, do you think we have the intellectual acuity to? Uh... All right, we're gonna start where I think a lot of tech podcasts start this week, which is. The allegations against case manufacturer Casetify by Dbrand. So these are two very well-known accessory makers. And this was launched basically as a salvo. It was a sort of a PR campaign slash lawsuit, as many lawsuits are these days, by Dbrand and Jerry Rig Everything's Zach Nelson, who collaborated with Dbrand on these teardown skins. I think Dbrand does a good enough job getting its own name and ideas out there, but it's increasingly doing these collaborations. They recently did one with The Verge, which was excellent. But anyway, it came to light that Case Defy, I keep saying Caseology in my mind, and then I have to change yeah, it. Yeah, please no, those are very different brands. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying Case Defy weirdly right now. That basically Case Defy didn't just copy the teardown skins, it literally saved to disk the images from Dbrand's website and just transpose them onto its own design and then printed them in much lower quality, making minor changes to them. Like the worst and most amateurish possible facsimile of a duplication. And 
I mean, Ara, you are the case queen. Like you are aware of both of these companies, both in product and reputation. So I wanted to get your take on what is Casetify? Why do you think this happened, really? And is there a precedent for this? I mean, have we seen something like this before from case makers as big as Casetify or Spigen or, you know, some of these other bigger brands as well? I would argue that this revolves around case graphics, not case design, in a sense, because all of these brands have their own cases with their own designs. It's just the thing that gets printed on top of them that changes. Which is commoditized, though, at this point, right? Like, Oh, yes, absolutely. Case design is of a piece. Yeah. What makes this important is that this is a $70 case that ripped off the design, not the $15, $20 cases on Amazon, of which there are legion that rip off artwork literally every day. And I know that because I spent a tiny part of the Black Friday weekend looking for Star Wars Pixel 7A cases for my brother-in-law because none of the official brands had deigned to do one for this Pixel 7A. But artwork theft is nothing new in the case space. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be completely solved anytime soon either. It depends on how these designs were created within Casetify. If it was a decision that was done in-house or if this was a series that like, oh, we commissioned somebody and that person we commissioned just ripped somebody else off, which would still be on Casetify for not vetting the artwork before sending it to the printer. It's not a great look. Uh, I want to know how Casetify is vetting any of their designs because they have over a thousand case designs in their collection. And that's not counting any of the collabs, of which they have dozens, if not over a hundred at this point. Yeah, they work with like Disney, right? Like are yeah. there a bunch of like Disney and Marvel and probably Star Wars? Yeah, no, they, yeah. they work with a lot of brands. Collabs are a huge thing. Yeah. But this is the stuff that's from just like the quote unquote regular designs. And there are so many of those that I do not believe those a thousand designs were made in-house. I believe that they were either licensed through somewhere, commissioned, what have you. So I wonder if this is an issue of Casetify commissioned an artist and the artist ripped somebody off or somebody in Casetify being like, oh, we need to make X designs. I'm just going to pull from here because this is an image that's already pre-made and ready to use. You're talking about like a rogue agent inside the company or a contractor who's like, look, I have a great idea. It's this thing called teardown skins except in really low resolution <laughs> where we have these tiny little easter eggs that nobody really knows what they mean so we're just going to leave them in there just in case they're important like yeah this is what i find so interesting right case defy until the moment that this lawsuit and pr campaign was launched in my estimation was a company that charged too much for its own products and had an elevated sense of its own importance because of its official collaborations with companies like Disney. And from my understanding, it's like if you go to a Best Buy and you want to buy a licensed frozen case for your 14-year-old daughter's iPhone, you buy a case to buy because that's the one that is there. And you buy the new iPhone 15 for $30 a month and you buy the $78 case because how else are you going to get the official merchandise? And you walk out of Best Buy feeling like you got yourself a good deal. And Casetify has grown in size and estimation and reputation because of that. And it's just really interesting that when you look at a company like this, where you can get lost. I mean, you go to Spigen, you go to Subcase, you go to any of these companies, you get lost on their websites at the scale of these operations. Because... I mean, if you've ever been on AliExpress, if you've ever been on any of these, like Shine, any of these turnkey, quick manufacture distributors, it takes them no time at all to roll out a new product line because they have the infrastructure and all they need to do is just make a slight modification to an image or a CAD file and they'll roll out a new product in the next couple of days. And this feels like that. It's like, they saw an opportunity. They didn't want to put in the investment of actually like doing the high resolution scans. Yeah. Because this Dbrand was not the only company that they were ripping off, right? Like they, they took uh, scans from iFixit. Yeah, yeah. They they stole iFixit's X-ray scans as well. I don't know. I mean, this this, this kind of speaks to a wider issue in in the accessory market is that it feels dramatically under scrutinized compared to. The OEMs that make the phones. And obviously, 
it's so different, right? The cost associated with it is so different. The companies are not nearly as, like they're not regulated at all. Amazon controls the distribution, which means that third-party no-name cases proliferate and undermine and bring down the cost of products to the point where only a few companies can actually justify charging more than $15, $20 for these cases. But then when you see a company like Casetify actually charging what it does for some of these cases, you're like, this feels unfair. It actually feels like the Spigans of the world are not being given a fair shake because they only charge $20, $25 for their cases. And even then that might feel too high. It just, it it, it introduces that, that level of like, you ride on your brand until you can't because the actual market has been so commodified. I just want to throw a few things out there real quick. First of all, Spigen only shows those prices on Amazon. If you go to Spigen's website, they do charge like $45, $50, $70, $80 for Yeah, but no one's paying, no one's buying through their website though. Like like if you are buying a Spigen case and you're not in like a Best Buy, you're you're buying it on Amazon. Like Like no one is going through directly like to Spigen. Ideally, no. And everybody has premium lines, right? Like Spigen, all of these companies want to get away with charging 80 bucks for a case. And that's why when foldable cases came out, you saw that immediately. (laughs) Hey, Spigen's foldable cases are $80 for the fold. But that's what I mean, right? You get away with it because it's a brand new market. And they were like, okay, you're charging $1,800 for a phone. We're going to charge $80 for two pieces of plastic. It's not twice the cost, I promise you. No, it's not. Um, I will say in the early in the early foldables era, those prices made sense because there was a lot of R and D involved. We have reached the point where that is not necessarily the case any longer. But also, yeah, I think half of the outrage for the Case Defy story is just that it's always felt like Case Defy was a ripoff unless they were doing some kind of a discount. And Casetify largely sells through their own website. They don't sell as many of their cases through Amazon just because there's so many designs and you pick a combination of the graphic design and the case color slash series. Casetify just feels like it got lazy and it got caught with its hand in the jar compared to like Rhino Shield or Skin It. Skin It, I, I, I would wonder if people would dig into Skin It and find any of that because Skin It just has legions and legions of licensed cases that I'm not entirely sure are original. But that's what I mean, right? Like, here's a situation that I can foresee in the next year, right? A case company comes out, they market on Instagram as not necessarily licensed, but like inspired by popular artists. They're using some combination of Dolly or Stable Diffusion to create bespoke designs for you that are inspired by your favorite artist, right? What happens then? So you're not necessarily ripping off dbrand, but you're saying, give me an artist representation of this idea, right? And then they sell it for 60 bucks. I mean, this is happening. So, and, and one thing that Zach said explicitly many times in his video was that he welcomes competition. He welcomes the idea of Casetify copying, quote, what they are doing by doing their own high-resolution designs. Uh, by high resolution scans and prints and like doing the work. But they didn't do that. They very, very obviously just saved the image file and reproduced it. But we are definitely going to get to the point where that's no longer needed, right? If you go to Casetify's iPhone or Galaxy or Pixel pages and you just scroll down, they have dozens of designs, right? This has been the case forever. They partner with popular artists, they work with influencers, they license images from illustrators, creators, et cetera. And presumably those illustrators and creators are getting paid. But what I think Casetify has done here is it's saying the idea of design appended to an accessory is so commoditized, so commodified already that we don't have to acknowledge. We can just rip it off because it's almost fair use. And in a couple of years, when Stable Diffusion can create what is basically a really nice pink and blue design of a whale floating through the ocean, which I'm looking at right now on the Pixel 8 Casetify portal, like Grace Anderson, who designed this, is not going to get those dollars because they won't need it. They won't need her. They're just going to do whatever AI, Stable Diffusion, Dolly 5 
can make and and sell it that way. And like this gets into this idea of like nobody is looking. It took one case manufacturer to sue another one for anybody to pay attention, right? That is what I'm fi- what I find so interesting about this. It's not the ripoff. The ripoffs happen all the time. It's that nobody gives a shit even though everybody wears puts cases on their phones. Everybody wants a unique design. All right, how long has uh Casetify been selling teardown skins or whatever they were calling their version of teardown skins? Oh god. I want to say they've been selling them longer than they've been making Android cases, so that would probably be at least two years, I want to say. Two years they got away with this. Two years they got away with this. Not even Dbrand knew this. So I have I have a teardown skin from Casetify that they sent me. I guess disclosure. I didn't write about their cases or anything, but they they sent me cases when the Pixel 8 came out. Pre-lawsuit, when I unboxed it, I think they sent me two each for each of the phones. My immediate takeaways, and that are this probably goes back to what you were saying, is because like we, you know, it seems like the skins they took, the scans, excuse me, they took from Jerry Rig Everything and and iFixit were primarily from like Android devices. But if they were doing teardown skins prior to selling Android cases, this is just an iPhone JPEG on this Pixel case. Like you can see the Apple logo from the shitty scan of this iPhone teardown. I don't see any of the Easter eggs that like they got called out for here. I think it is just like literally like a photo of an iPhone 6, like the internals of an iPhone 6, like stretched to fit this Pixel case. Yeah, see, that's why I think that this is a matter of just, this was something that got uploaded to a database and continued to be used without anybody realizing. Right. They were just taking JPEGs from wherever they were finding them and being like, yeah, here's the new one. And like, this might be from iFixit. I don't know. Like, that would make sense. I don't think it's from DRAND or Jerry Rig Everything just because, again, I'm not seeing any Easter eggs on it. Like, this looks like a pretty standard internals of an iPhone. But regardless, like, there are better ways to do this. Like, we've mentioned Spigen. I have their, this This they did not send me. This oh, I you thought. have one of the zero ones? I have one of the zero ones for the 8 Pro which is kind of funny to hold next to the the Pixel 8 skin. And it like this is obviously not the actual inside of the phone, but it looks so much better. It's got that 3D effect to it and like there are ways to do this that you don't need to just steal artwork. It's just late like whether or not there was like anything really insidious behind like I and I don't know, that'll come out in the lawsuit. It's lazy. Yeah, regardless of if there was any uh insidious intentions, this was just lazy as hell and deserved to get called out. Yeah, and now I don't know if I I I don't think it matters if it was insidious or not. It doesn't. Like, no, it no. Doesn't. To be clear, this to be is clear, it clearly infringement, like, uh, infringement, and yeah. and like I uh, yes, Case Defy is going to take a hit for this, but it's also not going to go under because of this, and they're probably oh, going to settle. Don't know. Anything can kill a case brand. I have been watching case brands long enough to know that anything can kill a case brand, especially one that relies on partnerships with licensed brands. Because licensed brands hear uh, copyright infringement and don't want anything else to do with you. I was going to say that could be the issue where it's like, yeah, Case Defy still around in five years, but their Disney partnerships gone, their whatever other partnerships they have are gone, and and it's just. Do you like, really think that they're going to lose their Disney partnership over this? No, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't mostly because Disney will license to uh like the other one of the other things I wanted to throw out earlier. You can get frozen cases from like ten different brands for any like almost any phone. Exactly. Yeah, you mentioned skin it and skin it seems to have oh yeah uh, no skin it has tons i have one yeah. from back in the pick uh galaxy s 10 days and i'm really tempted to go buy another one from skin it just to make sure that their case quality is still good now i shared a uh, my new iphone case in the chat with you guys do you guys think this is stolen artwork oh the, uh, i just want to make rick sure case. yeah i found this pickle rick case <laughs> do you guys think <laughs> this is legit yes <laughs> I, should I buy? Should I buy it? They're only thirty five dollars. I mean, there there are worse ways to spend your money. I was just say, I see the copyright. I see. Yeah, I it's, don't know why it's it like has the weirdly printed at the S22. bottom. Especially, yeah, there's some sketch about this. If you scroll down, it doesn't have like the official partnership thing that like I was looking at a Dragon Ball Z skin and that had like the official license thing. Anyway, I'm just saying that like I wouldn't be surprised if this was stolen artwork. 
<laughs> yeah, no, and that's the other thing. I have, I, there's not a whole way to know what is officially licensed and what is just like artist uploaded it and the brand took it. Cause yeah, they have like NFL, uh, yeah. Tampa Bay, Ra- like They're I went NFL to skin it and searched X-ray and what came up were a bunch of Tampa Bay Ray skins. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of these, unfortunately, are, like, very lazy and... Oh, yeah, no, totally. Look, ...look terrible anyway. I mean, the other thing is, like, we haven't even addressed stuff like Redbubble, which, like, you Yeesh. can just... I mean, it's just a... That, that you want to talk about, like, actual copyright infringement, that's, like, Redbubble's whole thing. Like, that's why it exists. Yeah. Redbubble and Etsy, man. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Casetify is the top of the iceberg. It, like, it just goes down from there. Like, the, the whole industry is going to be like this. And, and The whole industry has been like this. Let's be very, well, yeah. very clear. Mm. Yeah. I think what's interesting that, you know, Disney... Remember back in the day that, like, Disney never licensed its stuff. It was very, very careful. And then a few years ago, I mean, Ari, you could probably identify the exact time that Disney just opened the floodgates and started licensing its stuff everywhere to anybody that wanted to spend money. I mean, the same was true of Star Wars and Marvel, right? And now you can get Star Wars tea bags, I'm sure, if you wanted to get branded Tetley tea or something. Hot Topic is only around today because of Disney licensing That's stuff it. to it. it. Like literally, like Hot Topic would not exist without the Nightmare Before Christmas license and like well, the Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, license. but that was all for like non tech. That was like apparel and like physical merchandise that Disney like. Oh yeah, but like that's just yeah, like I mean I mean that was just yeah. an expansion of it. I mean oh, yeah. Uniqlo and H and M. Yeah, their their entire stores now. I went into an H&M last week and like half of the t-shirts are just Disney licenses or some other weird license that like you wouldn't expect. Like they're probably selling Kirkland brand sweaters at H&M now because like Costco licenses out the Kirkland brand. Like it's just absurd. And I, I get it because we are all millennials who i'm i'm a millennial you're not a millennial i'm 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 older than i'm so old um I mean, and, and like I make, I make the cut you're not you're i, make I, the I don't cut. know if you make the cut will but i'm 19 i do make the cut ara I, I, and i are are closer I make, to no, no 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 that i didn't have high speed internet in my house till just I because was you 12. act like a millennial doesn't make you a millennial okay you no, don't get right. to be a millennial just because you're an old man in your soul Okay. Well, I don't want to act like a millennial. I've seen you guys on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go on social media. That's why I'm alone. That's because well, that's that's you're Gen X, Daniel. So you're secretly actually. No, I don't. Know. Oh, is that it? Is that what is that what happens? You're only the you're, you're the generation that you uh, that you are on social media. I wonder if there's like a peer reviewed journal essay about this somewhere. That's just what a millennial would say. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, I'm just thinking like. It's it's bizarre to me that basically everything is nostalgia now, and this extends to all of the licenses that we think of as parts of our culture that define us. And like when I walked into that H&M store, I was like, oh, I want the sweater because it was like it showed the logo of a national park that I went to when I was like nine years old. And it's like, oh, I miss that place. And it's like, how did it know? It's like the Instagram ad that just like targets me. And it's like, no, no, no. We all had the shared experience in 1994. Like, everybody did. I didn't. What I was going to say, I have no clue what like, you're talking about. I was negative one years old. So, I didn't. Anyway, we, my generation. Yeah, Gen X. Um, my Gen X generation, <laughs> even though I'm not, a, I'm not a Gen X. Let's move on from that rather diffuse conversation about copyright infringement and talk about the OnePlus 12. So, yeah, this is just a topic that I want to talk about for as long as we talked about Elon Musk because <laughs> I hate this trickle of hype around OnePlus Listen, phones. I agree with you. I wouldn't so have let's even just put get it, it in. Over with the, and did you see on. the green though? Did you see the green though? I did. The green is nice. The, the, the green is the only reason I want to talk about it. The green is very pretty. The OnePlus 12 there are images, there are some official specs, some not. Like they they just kind of keep doing this trickle of details of like I, I don't even know if wireless charging is a rumor or if it's actually back, but whatever. It one way or the other. Like that's the other thing, is that at this point you start conflating stuff of like, was this a leak or was this just them posting on social media? <laughs> exactly. I can't tell anymore. Like, that's their goal. Let's be clear here. Yeah, absolutely. They want to own the cycle by having you think, oh, was this real or did like the EV leaks uh break this like two weeks ago yeah this time of year i cannot 
figure it out anymore. Anyway, this is all to say that the green OnePlus 12 is not the usual OnePlus green. It looks very pretty. It's got like a texture I was going to say, is that is that a texture it. or is that just like a marbling color in here? Because I, I can't quite tell, but I'm I, really I hoping tell, yeah. that OnePlus saw the response to the Motorola Razor Plus and Razor uh, and the um, pleather on the back of those. And we're like, oh, we can get in on that. And that's probably a cheaper material. So they're definitely doing different materials for these phones because the, the black OnePlus 12 seems to have like that sandstone mm-hmm. finish. Yeah, that that's definitely used. sandstone. Good. The mm-hmm. white one is definitely glossy. You can see yeah. it in the renders. The reflections are super weird and artificial, but like it's telling me all I need to know. And then, yeah, so it's not glossy. It does seem to have some kind of like pleather texture. I agree with you. They did that on the open with the black open, so it wouldn't surprise me if they were bringing that here. But yeah, I don't know. It's just pretty. That's that's. I don't really. I have think a, that it's different materials for the yeah. different colors because that gives users a choice. <laughs> yeah, I I can agree with. So that. the green one is called. F- oh, it's Flo- it's a very dumb name. Flowly Emerald. Flowly. I was like, did, is that a spelling mistake on our website? Flowly. I, I mean, I can double check. Emerald. It might be Flowy Emerald, which m- makes. No more sense than Flowly Emerald, but anyway, it's it's sort of like a jade. It's not really emerald. It is flowy. It is it is a it is a typo. Okay, good. I mean, Jules we'll correct this. that. I'm I'm happy to do I'm live it. edits during the podcast, but so <laughs> can flowy I send you emerald. A draft, by the way, you can just <laughs> read through that on the on the podcast. Yeah, if you go to the image, the official press image that they gave, and you zoom in on the camera module, it looks like they have specs of something yeah. underneath yeah. the glass which would indicate either that they are trying to get ahead of all of the dust by making it look <laughs> perpetually dusty or that these or, are mock-ups and or that they actually have dust on the on the lenses and, and, and module and just like didn't remove them but yeah it does look like this is not textured it'll probably just be a mat i'm guessing just based on on the, the way that the light hits it but again this could also just one the one corner like looks i don't know yeah i I can't tell yeah well no i mean this phone is coming they're doing a launch event in china and then it'll come to the rest of the world probably next year like early next year like probably right when samsung's doing their event and i'll want to die from phone reviews um that, that would be my guess i just think it looks nice i I'm less enthusiastic about OnePlus's regular phones than I am their foldables. Like, I don't think this is going to get me as excited as the Open did, but credit where credit's due on a pretty color. Yes. I think there are two things I want to say about it before we we move on. One is that there is now a trend of companies launching their phones in China in the latter half of, or like just before the end of the year in order to miss the Chinese New Year period and then launching that same product in Western markets a month or two later, which I find hilarious because they basically pretend to our face that those products have not been launched and that if a resourceful person wanted to import it from China, they just like hope that we don't, which is very funny because there are people like XDA's Ben Sin who goes between Los Angeles and Hong Kong all the time and gets these phones all the time before they launch in the West. And like, there's nothing these OEMs can do about it, but they just hope that we're lazy and don't want to spend money. And obviously that's, I mean, that's true on a lot of our parts. I was going to say, there is no way you guys are paying me to Well, we are not, but like there are a lot of sites that cover that region, right? Yeah. That like, if, if you cover, I don't know, Singapore, right? Or, or, or India, it might be worth spending the money to import it from China, right? Because the markets there overlap quite a lot. I think that's just a funny kind of reality of how things are going. The other thing too is that this phone is launching after OnePlus has received the first modicum of goodwill from its hardcore fan base since the OnePlus 7. Like the OnePlus Open restored my faith, your faith, a lot of fans' faith in OnePlus as a company, even though reality is that it didn't make the phone the open is an oppo phone yeah it, through like, through. Like, like there's no design differences it, it i mean maybe different colors i think that's it but yes it is it is a it is an oppo phone but it's also the first good interesting phone the company has made in many years and 
I think OnePlus wants to leverage that with the 12. So wireless charging's back. They're moving the slider to the other side of the phone. They're making slight improvements to the colors and design. It's going to be, I think, a lot more expensive than the OnePlus 11, which was $700. So I'm guessing this will be $899 or $999 when it launches. And that will be interesting to see whether people are going to come back. I mean, that, that'll OnePlus. be a big mistake. They need to aim for this budget flagship space regardless of whether they put stuff like fast wireless charging back in it because like they have not fixed the problems that people have with OnePlus just because the open is good like those problems are still there the software is still like largely speaking pretty mediocre I mean Oxygen OS 14 is we've talked about it is just buzzword after buzzword you mentioned the the alert slider their whole PR campaign about moving the alert slider is about how they like built a new antenna to improve gaming performance and this allowed them to move the alert slider and it it's just like gibberish <sighs> yes they are rolling into the end of this year with goodwill from like if not even like former oneplus fans then certainly like the tech community at large seem to look at the open and go good phone wow did you guys have this the whole time or like wh where was this energy but like <laughs> They have not changed anything else about it other than making like a good foldable, you know? And so if they ditch the one other thing that had people being like, well, you know, $700 is, is a pretty good price for the OnePlus 11, then like, I, I don't, you know, I, no one's going to buy it. Yeah. But I also think they're in a rock and a hard place because they sell it for $700. They're not able to offer the same feature set as a flagship from Apple or Samsung or Google. They charge $999 and they can but they don't have the brand recognition and the goodwill to actually compete properly. So my guess is that they offer the OnePlus 12 at flagship cost with flagship features, and then they launch a cheaper phone in markets that actually want it. That's my theory. All right. I want to talk a little bit about completely on the other side of the cost spectrum. Ari, you might be interested in this. So Walmart launched a $15 Google TV powered streaming stick. Like this is not to compete with the Chromecast with Google TV. This is a Fire TV Stick competitor. Uh, it's called the On Google TV HD streaming device because, of course, it is. That's a good. Um, that's a good name. Yeah. yeah, it rolls off the tongue. It's HD, as it implies in the name. 1080p. It's bare bones, but it's also fifteen dollars. And then I wonder: is this only for people who have TVs with a HDMI port but don't have any smart features? No, it's also for Airbnbs. Oh, which are banned in like yeah. every state now, but no, just New York City. Just oh, okay, York, the yeah. smallest and least important. State. I'm not saying it's not a blow to the company. I'm just saying that like this is definitely <laughs> was like designed for you know four bedroom Airbnbs, so they, they 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 can put like watch Netflix on the listing or whatever. Yeah, like that's right. you can spend sixty dollars and there you go because you already you only spent two hundred dollars on the tv to begin with like it's not a good tv so it does look yeah. like google designed the remote it is one of the it's just one of the reference remotes for android tv oh that makes sense yeah it's you yeah. just throw your branding on it i mean that's what most so so this is why i put this in the show notes is because this is just what google tv slash android tv is now is just like these bare bones budget streaming devices that are made for your guest room like maybe every now and then you'll be like, I guess I could put that in my living room, I guess. Like, why is there no Apple TV competitor? The 4K Chromecast is three years old. And as we've talked on the show is kind of garbage. I don't like it. Like, I think it was buggy in 2021, 12 months after it came out. It's buggy now. Like, no one should buy it. Considering that streaming is everything now like where is the high-end apple tv competitor like i don't it's still the I, nvidia shield no no that's it, like it is eight not. years old but also <laughs> i will old. It, but it's it's ancient that's not a real thing either like where is the new hardware like i don't understand how this is like no one wants to even make like an 80 dollar box i will has, give like, you my, my hottest take like, on this okay go for it the apple tv 4k yeah. is bad I'm, okay. It is bad. It's the only good streaming box, and it's still bad. Right. You know what, Daniel? I agree with you. It's, I it's, agree with you on both counts. I use it. It's the I use one it I'm using. Day. I'm using it too. Do you know why I'm using it? Because I burnt through everything else. But like, I, I think I've said on the show in some older episode that I was using a Fire Stick because it was working, and I was. And then 
we went on vacation and when I got back, it just stopped working. It wouldn't boot anymore. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm not buying another one of these. So I had a Apple TV 4K, like gathering dust in my closet from 2020. And I plugged that in and I was like, yeah, this works. I agree with you. It's still not great, but it is fast enough to load menus. Mm -hmm. And that's really all I'm looking for. Like, I do not need anything fancy. I just want it to be able to jump between streaming apps so that I can watch stuff reliably. And the fact that like it doesn't have Chromecast, it has AirPlay, like doesn't matter because like I don't like casting from my phone in general. So whatever. But there is no competitor to that. I don't count the NVIDIA Shield. It is too old. I, have, like, I agree that it's too old and we need a new one. I don't know who's going to make it and I don't know who's going to buy it. Sonos. Because Sonos is making no. one. Sonos, no, but Sonos isn't going to make an Android TV device. No, 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 but they don't need to, right? I think what is very clear to me is that we are at a point now where you buy a TV from any company. You can buy an RCA, one of those like rebranded RCAs. It comes with smart TV features that are good enough for the majority of people. It has Netflix. It has Prime. It has Apple TV. It has everything. Even the $100 TVs on Black Friday at Walmart had Roku on them. But that's it. Roku has the market share. This is not a Google or Apple or Amazon game. In the US, Roku owns the market because it flooded the market with cheap sticks and cheap televisions. Mm -hmm. And now it has won. And there is no appetite for a high-end box. And the only reason Apple continues to sell the Apple TV is because of its services. And people buy it because it gets you access to a continuity of experience. It's not a better experience, but it's a continuity of experience that it's reliable, right? If I have an iPhone, if I have an iPad, I load the Apple TV interface as completely bare bones and unintuitive as it is, it makes sense for an iOS user. And you do get access to things like Apple Fitness and Apple Arcade. God forbid you want to play a game on your television. But it's buggy. It's slow at times. It barely functions most of the time. I, I actively dislike it. And yet it's the least bad option. But if you buy an LG, you buy a Samsung, you get competent, if not good, smart TV experiences. You buy a Vizio, whatever. I would disagree with you on the Samsung front. Their, their TV interfaces inexcusable i i to you but not to the average buyer no No. i have not met a single person who understands how that interface works it is bad my parents have a samsung tv they don't know how that interface works i set it up for them i didn't know how like genuinely it is one of it is probably the worst like modern ui i have seen on anything Uh, regardless of device class i don't know man lg is pretty bad i have not used an lg tv i have an lg i've not used a webos tv webos is fine it's capital f fine it doesn't do anything well it gets you where you need to go like it's smooth enough it has ads which i hate but most of these products have ads now i would bet you the walmart one inundates you with ads in order to justify its 15 dollars cost you actually have to hand over your social security number when you buy it oh that makes sense you even more you leave your passport at walmart yeah exactly yeah (laughs) Um, I, I just I just think this whole like category has been so undercut by the leaders here, right? You know, the fact that you can get a fire stick for twenty dollars over Black Friday and most of the year, it just doesn't make sense for Google to want to charge a hundred, two hundred dollars for a high-end Android or Google TV box. And Apple single-handedly owns that high-end market. What's really interesting to me is this reveal by Mark Gurman. At Bloomberg last week, that Sonos, in addition to preparing a $400 plus pair of headphones, it's also going to release a TV set-top box. Now, a lot of people have asked Sonos to make a TV to accompany their speakers. I think TVs are hard to sell. They're big. They're expensive. I don't know what Sonos's version of a set-top box will do to separate it. I could see a few things, and that's mostly because... Years ago, when I was at Android Central and didn't have a Android TV thing yet, uh, Phil sent me this, uh, God, what brand is it? I think it's JBL, but it's a sound bar that has Android TV built into it. And I still use it because that's what's in the guest bedroom. So my parents use it every time they're here. 
So I could see Sonos doing something like that where it's some kind of like soundbar, speaker, something that you like set immediately in front of the TV and then it hooks up to the TV and has all of your streaming stuff. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, so Roku did that, right? Where it yeah, has Yeah, Roku does that too. Yeah. I think there's a couple of other Google Assistant and uh Google TV ones. I imagine there's some version of that with uh Fire Well, no, Fire the, TV hasn't Am- done they, a soundbar. No, they made a soundbar that doesn't have it built in. Is That's what they a missed did. opportunity. <laughs> they like this was like 3 months ago. It it is a truly confounding product. But the whole market is confounding right oh yeah no you've convinced me that i'm my that it's fucked it's all it's all just like going that like i like we're in hell like i don't know what else to say like it's just crazy to me that like for as much as everything is streaming now there really is because you're yeah because like even you're right like the apple tv experience is not great and and also has ads on it like i don't know why people act like it doesn't like the, well, the it has top, ads for its own product. Right. That's what I mean, which is like a, a thing that, that is still an ad <laughs> drives me crazy about Apple is like, you know, iOS fans will be like, well, you know, Android is covered in advertising. And it's like, I've used iOS devices. I know that they, they like shove Apple services in your face. Like you cannot tell me otherwise. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to keep using the Apple TV because I don't. And, and that that's the problem is like, I hadn't heard that rumor. Sonos's set-top box probably will be a soundbar with some kind of TV OS built into it. Not TV OS, but you know what but I mean. But that's it. It, yeah. it'll, it. it has to, like, Sonos but has I never don't had want, a front I have end. a soundbar already. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, a sound, I'm not a Sonos user. And so if that's the only other high-end option and I have to pay $500 for a Sonos soundbar, like, I already have one. That's not what I'm looking for either. I just want, like, a competent, oh, fuck, is the answer to this that I have to use my PS5 to stream stuff? That's the answer, isn't it? Oh, That's God. a bad I experience, I really hope too. not. Am I crazy for wishing and praying that audio video receivers would get these smart TV interfaces so that way you can buy, like, oh, if you want to stream properly, you buy, like, a $500 or an $800 AVR that has proper RAM, proper specs, and connects to all of your speakers no matter what the f- they use? Uh, no. I don't want... That future is, is over. I know it is mostly because my dad has started to look for a new AVR because he can't get it to work properly. But there are with AVRs smart with smart services built in. The problem is that you need to hook up your own speakers to it, and most people don't want the added layer. I mean, you just talked about this, Will. People yeah. want to consolidate, right? The reason Sonos is launching a soundbar with built-in smart TV features is maybe, because maybe we don't know. But maybe a pro- soundbar. Probably. We only know that they're working on a box. Well, it's a, it's a box and a high-end speaker. I mean, like it makes oh, okay. sense then, that yeah. it's all. Oh, the same then one. never mind. Yeah. So they want to launch a premium soundbar that's better than the Arc. The Arc is already like eight hundred dollars. I was gonna say, like, I'm not paying for this though. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, but I am. I right? literally As a Sonos just, user. Sure, like, sure. I, there are enough people. You don't, they don't have to sell at volume if they're selling this for a thousand dollars. Well, I'm not worried about. Sonos's bottom line. I'm worried about my experience streaming movies. Yep. Like genuinely, all I want is just like a 2023 Nvidia Shield. It doesn't have to be from Nvidia. It doesn't have to have any of the gaming stuff. It's just that I want that level of processing power that was there in 20. Did it come out in 2019 or 18? I or 17? I really can't remember. There's a version from 2015. There's a version from I think. I think there was a short-lived version from 2017. The current one is from 2019. Why don't you just okay. and it's still hook up a, like a Mac Mini, <laughs> like get a get a Mac Mini. That sounds Mini terrible a, too, right? Yeah. But like what you're dealing with any PC interface on a on a TV would be horrible. And please don't come at me with all of the Cody nonsense and whatnot. Cody nonsense, Plex nonsense, like that's what they're designed for. I just I feel like at, at that point, if you're if you're so burnt out from all of the other bad options yeah. take your life into your own hands and hook up like a chrome bit or something to your tv or like chrome bit does, doesn't exist i know i don't currently. i don't i'm just saying like there are raspberry pi like you could i was i knew you were i was mm, no also i no. just want you guys to know that i did get fed up with streaming services <laughs> over the last month and have a plex server now and i am just um Finding media, let's say it that way. Just finding media I want to watch and putting it on the, on the place. In the ether. Yeah, it's just appearing. It's coming straight from your letterbox account. I don't know. It's going one way or the other. I can't tell. Yeah, exactly. So very quickly as we wrap up, a couple other 
quick things. Uh, Reddit rebranded. I didn't know that its mascot was named Snoo until yesterday. Yeah, no, that was the biggest news. Second biggest news I heard yesterday after hearing that Kissinger was dead. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and Snoo did it. <laughs> Well, it does have opposable where, where thumbs now. Where was Snoo last night is all I'm saying. We don't know. It was in R, is Henry Kissinger dead with like 15,000 other people. Snoo giving that a thumbs up. was wild. <laughs> um, I unfortunately did know that uh, its thing was that the mascot was called Snoo, but I had buried that information in my head. I do love how that's where you discover that uh, famous genocidal maniacs have died is on the yes. public forums of reddit.com. Um, I mean, look, there's no love lost between a lot of us and Reddit. I think we know that Reddit kind of uh, did a lot of people dirty earlier this year when it I've genuinely stopped using it. Yep. Like I, I, it's not on my phones anymore, and I'm not going to browse it. Like I, I just kind of forget it exists because like I'm not really browsing it on my computer because that's where I work, and I'm not like that's what See, I'm doing. I, I, I can't abandon it because it is useful for my work. Like I, I deal in commerce i deal sure, with sure, product, sure. Totally. product experiences i need to be able to see what people actually thought of these cases six months after they bought them and if i was doing more news coverage than i am now i would be on it still but like in terms of the stuff that i like i look to reddit still for searching stuff like that right if we're waiting for an android update like that is where to go to look for if it's live but like in terms of my personal use of Reddit, like my account is more or less abandoned because like I browsed that stuff on my phone and I'm not using their app. So like it is funny to be like, look at our cute new logo. And we put a messaging icon in the D's for some reason. Who cares? I will say I don't understand the chat bubble part of it because objectively the worst part of Reddit is chat. Like DMs are fine. Actually trying to like instant message chat with somebody on Reddit is like pulling teeth. I've never been able to do it in an instance where it wasn't like either somebody trying to fish me or somebody trying to like seduce me. If you regularly have conversations in DMs on Reddit, I want you to write into the show. I've never engaged with, I I just opened the chat, but like I just pressed that icon for the first time in my life. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, now it's in the logo. Now it's so, there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's that's it. Snoo has opposable thumbs, and they have their own typeface. This will make it a successful IPO. I have no. Oh doubt. yeah, they've nailed Steve it Hoffman. This time. You're going to be a billionaire. Congratulations. This company's doing great. I can't wait for those headlines that Reddit made a trillion dollars or whatever. All right. A couple other small things that are coming out of the Epic v Google trial. This is not surprising, but back in the day. Google had a bunch of big plans to forestall the growth of third-party app stores. One of them was to potentially buy Epic. Uh, This was back in 2018. It obviously did not happen. (laughs) This was around the time where Google and Epic were beginning to spar over issues around Fortnite and sideloading and things like that. My Ara's alma mater was, was mentioned in one of the pieces of discovery because Google had ostensibly shared a bit of like a, an embargoed press release about a bug in Fortnite that basically opened a back door into people's phones by people using fake Fortnite APKs to install malware on people's phones. And Google saw this as a potential vector for malware, gave Android Central the heads up under embargo. And then my former coworker, Andrew Martinick, wrote up the story. Epic brought this up in the trial as a way to say like Google was giving, like they were working on a story with press about this issue. And then Hiroshi Lockheimer responded to the internal PR person saying like, great job, like way to, way to plant this story. That is absolutely not what happened because there was no planting of the story. What we found out only when this trial Uh, when the piece of discovery came out is that Android Central was offered this piece as an exclusive, but we didn't think of it as that because Google says, hey, do you want to see this press release before it goes live under embargo all the time? I was going to say, it's the same as any other embargo, except you're the only one who gets it, right? Like that's the only difference. And you sometimes don't even know who does or doesn't have stuff under embargo until... I mean, most of the time, like until like 
I'm going to use this as an example, like, oh, like the Pixel 8 embargo is here. I bet every tech site got that or whatever. You don't know what levels of coverage there are until those embargoes left because like that's what embargoes are. Yeah. We don't it's not like we share that information. We are signing an NDA. Right. So when you get an email that says, Hey, we have this press release going out tomorrow, like, would you like to see it under embargo? It lifts at eleven AM Eastern or whatever. And you say, Yeah, I agree to the embargo. You get the press release, you write up your coverage on it, you do your analysis of it or whatever, you publish the news thing, and then like that's not planting a story. That's what every tech site does. It's very stupid to have seen some people be like, I can't believe, I can, can you believe some of these? Because Abner at 9to5 was also mentioned in one of these. And it's like, that's not what that is. Like, I I saw some like other tech reporters like calling this out and being like, it's the same thing you're doing. It's not planting a story for good coverage. It's just accepting the embargo and then reporting on it. I thought the whole thing was very stupid. I mean, the background here is that Andrew was basically our security reporter. He had a really good understanding of the ecosystem. He was the person that Google identified as somebody who could write up this story as well as anybody else on the internet. So is there the perception that by sending it to him exclusively, Google was, quote, planting the story? I suppose if you're a very cynical person, you could see it that way. But Andrew had the choice of writing it up. He had the choice of reaching out to third-party sources. He had the choice to dig into this and make his own conclusions, which is exactly what he did. If you read that piece, it's like 2,500 words. It's extensive. It is very well and thoroughly reported. It is not just him parroting the press release that Google gave him. But anyway, that is beside the point because now we're getting other indications that Google was, you know, had its own machinations for Epic. If it can't join him, beat him. Like that's kind of the way that Google saw it. They saw Epic as a competitor who wanted to open its own app store. Google also saw that it needed better mobile games. All of these things have come to pass that Google still is at a disadvantage when it comes to mobile gaming because Android is not a great distribution platform for AAA games. It never will be. And that is something Google obviously saw even then back in 2018. So Google wanted to buy Fortnite. Google wanted to buy Epic in order to not just hype up Android, but make Stadia a better product when Stadia eventually launched the following year. It's crazy to think that this was pre-Stadia. Well, Stadia was only around for <laughs> three years, so it makes not even, so it makes sense. Yeah. I think we should acknowledge that if this had happened, Fortnite would be dead. <laughs> like, Fortnite wouldn't exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> Google would have shut it down. First of all, it would never have become as popular as it did. And secondly, Google would have shut it down alongside Stadia. I firmly believe that. And Zack Snyder would not have said that he plays Fortnite with the music. That quote was amazing. I'm sorry. I know this is way off topic, but that quote was amazing. It was like, if you got killed in Fortnite by Mr. Meeseeks, that might have been Zack Snyder. (laughs) It was like a direct quote. I just love that the guy's playing it at 3 a.m. with like a Yep, and his wife's like, you need to, have you considered doing something else? I mean, he did, he did just like finish directing like a $200 million movie that is coming out on Netflix. Oh my God. There's so much I want to talk to you about uh, this, this trailer for rebel moon. Like uh, I, Daniel, another we, time. we listen, we're coming up. It's, it's almost it's the, the holiday holidays season. soon. We'll, we'll do a movie podcast. It's fine. We'll do another we'll do movie that. podcast. I want to talk about the holdovers. Have you seen that? It's I haven't, but I will. It's, it's, so gonna, it's, gonna... it's out on digital. It's oh so good. Charm. Okay. I'll just get it from letterboxd. That's how it works. Right. Go. So yeah. another thing that came to light out of this trial was that Activision Blizzard also wanted to launch its own Android game store to compete with the Play Store under the name Project Boston. So this is really interesting, right? Activision Blizzard, which owns King, which creates Candy Crush and the many other iterations of Candy Crush, wanted to launch its own App Store or Play Store competitor on Android. It was popular at the time, I guess, (laughs) after everything that went down. It's very clear that Epic was working on something very similar to launch their own app store. Google saw the writing on the wall. I think one of the things that people didn't realize about Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard is that it wasn't about Call of Duty and Diablo as much as it was about the millions and billions of dollars a year that Activision Blizzard makes on mobile. Candy Crush just prints money, right? And since then, Activision Blizzard launched Call of Duty Mobile. And Diablo Immortal, one of the most pernicious 
examples of in-app purchases you can find out there today, right? We've talked about this on the show. Just an extravagant waste of money to make that game and then just to gouge people every time they want to have a bit more fun with it. So they wanted to create this mobile game store that never launched, obviously. They pitched it as the Steam of mobile, Mm -hmm. where they would charge 10 to 12%, so far below 30% that you would see from Google. They also eventually wanted to bring it to iOS, which I, I genuinely do not understand what their intentions were there. Like iOS will probably get some form of siloing next year, but like it's, it wasn't there in 2019. It's not there now. I don't know what they're, how they were going to do that. And yeah, it's just, it seems like the whole thing kind of fell apart. Well, it fell apart because they saw that Google made it really hard for third-party app stores to thrive. And that there were other means of making money from Google. They basically blackmailed Google into spending $100 million on other things related to Activision Blizzard. And it seems like that worked. And it was just cheaper to just keep paying Google's fee instead of doing their own thing. Yeah. Well, also, like Google has shown over the course of this trial that they're willing to negotiate for lower fees for bigger players, right? So Netflix got a sweetheart deal. Uh, It looks like Activision Blizzard was trying to get their own sweetheart deal. Google eventually launched a two-tier subscription service, which lowered the percentage of subscription payments to 15% from 30. So this was probably a good move. It would be very difficult for a Steam for mobile to thrive on Android. And then there would be the problem of porting games. I mean, we just saw this week, Netflix is bringing the Grand Theft Auto trilogy to mobile for the first time officially. This is something that Google well, could those, have done. Those games have been on mobile before. That trilogy remaster is based on the old mobile ports that yes, I which are, are no longer which are terrible. Available. Right. And so is so is the remaster. And so it's just an endless cycle of 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 bad ports. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe the Netflix version will work better, but it's just funny how like everything loops back around to being like, we've brought it back to mobile, even though that's how this game started to begin. But with. remember, like in the early 2010s, when that's what companies were doing to make money on on mobile stores, right? They were porting old PS2 yeah, when console I, games. Like, I bought GTA 3 when it came out on my like third gen iPad or whatever. And I was like, damn, this is awesome. I can't believe I can play this PlayStation 2 game on my third gen iPad. It's 2012. And, and then, like, the, then they were just left to languish and they were never yes, updated. They were they never were updated. They didn't work on newer hardware. And, and then you'd go back and you'd be like, do you have any other games to play? And they're like, we have this truly terrible match three game that you might want to try out. Um, It's not only is it not fun, but you're going to have to spend several hundred dollars on it to go anywhere in the progression system. Also, we're going to make you wait in between turns, like 20, 30 minutes, an hour, maybe. I'm like, cool. So no games, then you have nothing for me to play. Yeah, I mean, that's really the way that mobile games are meant to be played. Yep. As somebody who has played match three for eight years, this is exactly how it goes. Uh, and yeah, it's ten minutes between each life refreshing. Online. See, I was a little off on the time, but you, but some games do make you wait like an hour. Like it's truly outrageous. So I had a conversation with uh, the new VP of Google Play uh, the other day, uh, Sam Bright, and we discussed this part of like, does Google think that there should be an app, uh, an equivalent of Apple Arcade, for Android? Should Google start courting? exclusives the way that Netflix is trying to bring AAA console titles like Hades to mobile, even though ironically Hades is not launching on Android, it's launching on iOS, but most games that launch on Netflix games launch on both platforms. And he's like, no, I think that there's enough incentive in our current play pass to give people a taste of a game and if they really want the game, then they can buy it. And I dislike that answer, personally. I don't think that was a strong answer. No, it's not. But the problem is that if you look at the Netflix, you know, I, I really I don't have the stats in front of me on Apple Arcade. Like, Netflix's games collection has largely been seen as a failure. Like, no one is playing these. They keep getting better titles, like, or, or at least more popular titles. You know, like, Hades and GTA are two, like, very big games to get regardless of whether Hades is coming to Android or not. But those are big steals for, you know, Oh, you're already paying for Netflix. Just go play this game now on your phone. But like 
no one is playing them by most metrics. It seems like it's kind of a money loss for no reason for Netflix. And I assume they keep throwing everything at the wall to see, you know, like, will this get people to play? I just imagine that at some point, you know, in the next two years, this it, it's just going to shut it down. Like I, if, if no one starts playing this, this stuff, because it's just a money loss for them. I guess so. I mean, they're obviously playing the long game here. And yeah. oh, I, trying... I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I, 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 just... I don't think the I don't think the long term goal here is to get people to play mobile games. I think it's to get people to play games on their TVs using their Netflix accounts. Sure. sure. The way that Apple Arcade has failed miserably as a TV platform. But I do think there's an argument to be made that, like, if you don't want to spend thirty dollars on Hades, but you can use your phone as a controller or something to get an approximation of playing Hades on your TV, maybe that's worth it if it's just built into your Netflix subscription. And maybe they partner with like Backbone and they have like a Netflix games edition the way that they partner with PlayStation for remote play. You know, I'm just thinking like down the road yeah, here. Yeah, so so right now, obviously Netflix is trying to build out their cloud gaming structure. But right now, I believe all of the games on Netflix you download, I, I don't think any of them you stream. I, I might be wrong. There might be an exception to that. But, but largely speaking, you download them. And to go back to what we were talking about however long ago, none of the streaming hardware people are using can run Hades on their TV. It can run it on their phone fine. It can't run Hades on that terrible Samsung platform or whatever. So like, it's going to have to be streamed, but that infrastructure's not there yet. and. God knows if it ever will be in the U.S. Like we've watched as like cloud streaming. It's not gone, but, you know, it's certainly diminished from this point two years ago or 18 months ago, I guess. Like I was going to say a year ago, but a year ago we knew Stadia was dying. So we've been trying cloud gaming for a decade now. Like remember on live and it's still not there. So like you're going to want more powerful hardware, but no one's making the more powerful hardware to run Hades from Netflix. So it just seems like an endless loop of like losing money, waiting for something to change. Like, I, I don't know. Like it, it, all, it just seems like a terrible strategy to me. But yeah. And I mean, we have to end, but, but I do want to continue this discussion because the irony here is that mobile gaming handhelds are more popular than ever. The Steam Deck OLED. I got my OLED a week ago and we literally didn't even talk about it. So that'll be next week but i mean like that's the thing it's not just the steam deck right there are hundreds of bespoke devices made for emulation made for mobile gaming it's enormous and netflix i think is on the right path here but there's this disconnect between porting old console games to mobile launching branded mobile games that support its shows like the queen's gambit and stuff and narcos and then like not really having a, a cohesive strategy for distribution, because as you said, like they require the Netflix app on your TV to support the APIs. And God help us, that conversation that Netflix is probably having with LG and Vizio and Samsung to update their Netflix apps on those platforms, like that's probably not a winning strategy. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is this is gonna be an interesting thing to see, but like at the same time, if I'm a Netflix subscriber and I haven't spent any money on Hades, but I've heard all about it and I have an iPhone or an iPad, I'll be able to play Hades very soon. And that's pretty exciting. So just objectively, I think it's really interesting what Netflix is doing here because Google had the choice. They could have had these negotiations with Supergiant and Rockstar and all of these AAA developers and publishers to bring these games to Android in a more uniform way. But it's Netflix, the unlikely champion of mobile ports that is doing this. And I find it bizarre. I mean, how many of those studios would have really trusted Google with this after state? It has the Play Store, R. It does. Like, that's the thing. The Play Store is what we've been talking about for this entire time. It's the reason the Epic trial exists is because Epic is accusing Google of having a monopoly for distribution. And yet they're floundering because they don't have the support of the developers. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to endorse a monopoly, but if you have a monopoly, freaking use it right. And they're not even doing and, that. Yeah, and meanwhile, Apple has... I, I, my, I, no, but their inability to use it is exactly the point. Like, Google has never been able to do gaming properly. 
why would any studio think that they would be able to suddenly start doing it now? But that's the thing. They're doing gaming properly. They are making 70 cents for every dollar spent on the Play Store. It, it, it depends. A, okay, that, I, I think the disconnect here is is what is gaming? What what do we consider proper gaming? Because like, if correct. Yeah, that's if what the I'm disconnect saying. is. Candy Crush. Right. Clash of Clans. Right. The games that like everyone's mom is playing and people who don't call themselves gamers are playing these endlessly. And then there's people like I, are not so much you because I know you you are not I don't think you're a, you have a console or anything although you can correct me I have no console yeah. I am I am correct I do not necessarily call myself right. a gamer I right. just play Blitz and Stardew Valley right and, and Stardew Valley is a, is an example of something that is I would say that that's a real game not that the other ones aren't but like that's a game on consoles and then meanwhile you have Daniel and I who are like ooh Steam Deck OLED I can't wait to play all my Steam games and like those are very two very different audiences and so like google has won the casual market right like the people who bought a wii because they saw wii sports like those people are all just playing mobile games now what they lost and really never had was like the i don't want to say hardcore gaming audience but you know what i mean like the the people who want to buy a ps5 or want to build a pc you can play resident evil village on an iphone right now you can't do that on any Android phone unless you stream it from a PlayStation 5 or whatever. And that's a loss. Like, they're not getting Hades for whatever reason. I really don't fully understand why. But, like, that's a loss. That game was huge. Is huge. It's getting a sequel. Daniel's right in that they, like, really screwed up with, like, the traditional gaming audience, even though they won, you know, literally, like, billions of dollars from people playing Candy Crush, from, like, literally Candy Crush whales. That's it. And I will end it there. But I'm just saying every single company is doing gaming better than Google because Google is just settling for the lowest common denominator because that is making them money. But they're losing any momentum, right? Well, Daniel, they're going to get it back. YouTube playables. Oh, you're right. Okay. That's <laughs> that, that, I take it all back. All right. We're going to end it there. We'll discuss more next week. Ara, I hope you have a nice weekend and feel better. Uh, Will, I hope it doesn't snow in Buffalo again this weekend. It's supposed to, it's warm. It's like, it's supposed to warm up and, and be warm throughout all next week. So maybe I'll get a new roof or something. Oh, nice. Finally. So. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you both. We will reconvene and plan our December extravaganza. Um, I can't believe it's December. It's coming up. Tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Tomorrow. Until then, uh, if you have any feedback for us, send it to podcast at androidpolice.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what streaming box platform model Raspberry Pi Chrome bit you use to power <laughs> your Plex accounts uh, and other uh, totally legal uh, libraries of, of media. Uh, send, that us, send that to us. Uh, we'd also love to know what you think of the OnePlus 12 and whether that's actually something that you're interested in going into 2024. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Galaxy S24 series next week, as well as uh, just rounding out our, our top products of the year. We're going to we're going to round that all up in the next few weeks and, and, and launch that. So until then, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.